Duke Nation, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This episode is a little bit different. This is raw audio, therefore sorry about the sound quality, of a presentation given by Coach Matt Kern and Coach Glenn Snodgrass at York's MLK Day Teacher Conference. It was titled, Building a Championship Culture. This episode is a little longer than normal, but there is so much great material, I wanted to give you the entire thing. The Duke Podcast is supported by Curtsy's Clothing and Gift Boutique in New York. Stop by for all of your women's clothing and gift items. I hope you enjoy episode 10. Good afternoon, guys. We'll go ahead and get started. We're a little bit early, but uh, there's a lot of material here. We'll see what we can get through uh, as fast as possible. Last year, I was actually going to speak on leadership, uh, leadership things that we do with our basketball program for a whole session. So splitting this with Coach Snodgrass, and I know his stuff is great, and it's going to take a long time, so I want to go as fast as I can, actually. Uh, the plan was for me to speak 10 minutes about some leadership things that we do with the girls' basketball program. 20 minutes, uh, Coach Snodgrass will talk about our culture and football, and then 10 minutes at the end, I would follow up on that a little bit. If his goes a little bit long, that's okay. It's really good. And then some time for questions at the end if he has specific questions on what we do. There's our information. Please feel free to email or call us at any time about anything. I've had a number of coaches already over the last couple of years contact me on some of the leadership things we do. And, uh, I, and they're using it in their schools, and it's pretty cool to hear what they have to say. So we'll take a look at it. Maybe. There. Oh. Okay. How often have you heard? How often have you heard someone say, "I just don't have any leaders in my, on my team," or "I don't have leaders or in our school or or anywhere at all"? Leadership is something that I, I heard that too often. I've said it. I've said it with my teams. I still say it with my teams. So a few years back, about six years ago, I really looked into uh, leadership. So I'm tweeting some things about leadership out, thinking, "Oh, I'm Mr. Leadership Guy now," just because I was tweeting them. The reality, I wasn't doing anything. Um, a few years ago, I mean, I can remember as a kid being told I was a leader, and I have no idea what that meant because they didn't explain it to me, and we never prepared these prepared me or kids. So a few years ago, I had you know why focus on there? A few years ago, I had a team. I didn't like the direction of the where our seniors were at. I didn't like that, and I completely put that on me because I hadn't developed them as leaders on our team and in our school and where not and whatnot. So that was one of the reasons why leadership came up to me. And then I also realized that uh, our talent level, which has been very good in the recent years, was going to drop or is going to drop or change over time. So I needed to find a focus for me that was going to help drive our team and help drive who we were going to be. And I know you can't quantify leadership and wins, but I'm very, very certain that the number of wins that we had last year in our basketball team, a lot of those wins were because of the leadership from our uh, from our seniors. So what I came across, and at the, at the time when I was struggling with some of the, the leaders in our program, this book was written in 14. So it was right around that time I came across this book, Jeff Jansen. That I'm telling you, uh, it, it was, it's been a game changer for me uh, from building relationships to helping develop leaders in our uh, girls basketball program. So I'll talk a little bit about this real quick, how we get our captain started, how we develop who becomes part of this leadership group, and I, and I know I've got to go fast. So um, 
ways I, I've done captains, for those of you that are interested in uh, how you, how, I get that question a lot, how, how do you nominate captains, how do you get your captains? I, from Coach Snodgrass, he used to have captain applications, or we still have captain applications with the football team, and I used that for a number of years. With this book, I got an idea about just not having captains nominated. So we meet in the spring, I have the team right there nominate who will be our captains for the next year. And those nominations, and after I get those nominations, I meet with the girls and I straight up ask them, do you feel like you can handle these duties of being a captain because you've been nominated by your teammates? So meetings begin in this July, and we do, according to the book, there's 10 weeks of scheduled meetings in the book. So you have these, these chapters, 10 chapters you can cover. I'm, I find it funny, I told Mr. Smith, Lance Smith here, I'm talking about uh, a book that I did not write. But I'm telling you, the book is very powerful, and a lot of I know a lot of other coaches have used it. But the book goes through ten weeks of uh, leadership goals, and it has it's a workbook. So you literally can write down uh, and ask questions and interview people. So we would meet. I scheduled ten meetings. I would meet at my house. Uh, we'd meet at a coffee shop. We'd meet. At, uh, chances are for breakfast. We'd meet wherever. Now, I wouldn't meet, as a young coach, I wouldn't have met at my house. There's no way, but my, my wife makes cookies. It's a little different. So uh, those were great things. The girls love coming. And, our, and the, our kids are asked so much these days. They're asked to do so much that uh, I make sure the first time we started meeting, and I started this a couple years ago, uh, that this was not going to be something more. Uh, That's another thing I have to do because we're asking kids to do so much. And I have emphasized that at an extremely high level. And every time the girls wanted to stay longer, which is pretty cool. It made me feel good like we were doing something right. Because we were talking about some powerful things. I mean, the topics, I would share adversities that I've had. Things that about uh, leadership issues I had as a kid. Uh, and, and we talked about how to become better leaders. And I'll show you what the, some of the discussions in a second. But those conversations, I would have given anything to have, especially in my college days, when I just did not have an opportunity. I didn't feel like I was very good at being a leader. I was too much of a follower when I needed to step up. So we're talking about how you can become a better leader. And why I think this works is because we embrace communication in our culture. And that's something that we, we I, the word we like to use is vulnerability. And we emphasize if you're vulnerable, if you feel comfortable making a mistake, feel comfortable knowing that you can do something in front of others and not be held against you. So those are things that we talk about, and I cannot say enough about how I can see the difference in these girls that have gone through this program. I wish I probably need to do every girl in our, in our program, right? And I've gotten ideas. I just did it with our senior captains who don't have to be seniors. That's not a necessary trait. Uh, I've seen other teams do it with freshmen, sophomore, junior, and so on and so forth. And they, these coaches are telling me great things about it. Yeah, it's hard to see. I just, I'm not going to go through this too deeply here, but I want to share, share this with you. Uh, these are some of the areas you can just kind of look at those that the book talks about that is just amazing. Co commitment, confidence, composure, and character leading by example. We really hammer those a lot. I'm really big into confidence things, so that's a chapter that I really emphasize. Um, and vocal leadership, how to be an encourager, and uh, how to be an enforcer. I've yet to come across a, a coach, a girl that I've coached that's been an enforcer. It's a very difficult trait, even for guys, to be that person that says, this, you can't do it that way, that's not what we do. It's very difficult for them. But those are some of the areas that the book covers if you're interested in the book. Again, I'm, I'm going pretty quickly here. Okay, so here are some of the specific things. It's a picture of our girls giving their first meeting. Uh, last year, actually, that was last year's. Specific things that we do with uh, York basketball. Um, 
to promote leadership. These are just some of the things. Captain led opening team meeting. So I, I'm telling you, it was the best meeting that I've ever had as a coach. If you've never done this, I encourage it. We focused, I had the girls talk. And we talked straight on what we did in the book. We practiced it. We worked together on doing it. And they talked about their role acceptance, practicing game effort, and social expectations. And I'm telling you, when you have one of your senior leaders who's respected to tell all these young girls that we don't drink here, we don't go out and party, we don't do those things, it meant a lot. I was like, I got chills hearing it, and I could tell how it affected those kids. That, that, that was powerful. That was, that was the beginning of last year's. So we do that all the time now. Um, Thanksgiving meal, we talk about our program, how, what makes it special. These are the communication opportunities. They led that meeting with all of these girls in my basement just talking about why our program is special. Very powerful to hear some of the different things that they say. Uh, the green, yellow, red, that's just how your body language is on the court we work on. Um, it talks about it all about the book. I ask the girls to speak at every practice if they so choose. Those are just leadership opportunities that, again, we're promoting it to give these girls opportunities to do things that they would have done in previous years in York. Uh, the uh, presence at youth program practice, I can't say enough about the importance of that. If you're building or developing a program culture, you want to have these kids seeing these uh, high school girls all the way through. You want to see that. And so it's so important to, to, to promote what you're about. Uh, Tate Hansen, I'll talk about her in a second. I got about two more minutes or so. Tate Hansen, um, who graduated from us last year, shared that in a number of interviews about the importance of when she was a third grader remembering the senior girls and what they did. I talked to some senior girls who came back, or not senior girls, graduates that came back the other day uh, for holiday, and they were talking about they couldn't believe how these girls playing basketball when they were Coopers, the girls that they coached when they were when they were little. So those things build that culture. We're talking about culture. I cannot say enough about the youth program. Coach will say a lot more about that. But if you're developing a strong leadership culture, you want to really start young. Weekly check-in and report. That's really cool. Okay, so we meet, we would meet weekly on a report. They had to fill out a report from the book, a sheet of paper. I should have a slide of it, I know. Uh, showing what they, uh, what's going on in the program right now. They have to grade themselves, where they're at as leaders, grade things about how other people are feeling, grade their teammates. And it doesn't take long. We would literally talk for 15 minutes is all. But they had to fill it out, which might have taken them 10, 15 minutes as well. So to spend 30 minutes a week, you're saving a lot of problems down the road if you're talking about what the concerns are uh, going on in our program. So you're already reaching out, being proactive um, in what's going on and who, who's having a hard time. I learned some really, uh, last year I had a good example with uh, one of our seniors. She was having a hard time and really struggling. I didn't know about it, but she filled it out on that paper, met with me, everything seemed a lot better for us here. Something I would really encourage, regardless of the book. Uh, the girls are creating scouting reports on their own. So instead of me writing up a scouting report on Doris or whoever we're playing, the girls would go through and work on creating one of their own and making that happen. So that's, that's a great leadership trait. They're learning how to be a coach maybe there too. Uh, team service project, things that we want to do there and the community to be a positive. And the last one is transition meeting with next year's captains. That one's awesome. Uh, that was really cool. So, so the captains that led last year actually met with the, the new captains that were nominated and uh, went over a lot of things. I gave them zero guidance on that. I just said, I want you to tell them everything that we do and know what it's about and how to prepare themselves. So that was pretty cool. So I felt like, and I feel like this leadership thing that started out with tweeting a little bit, just throwing some nice quotes out there about how to be a leader, is starting to get better in our um, program and get better at being uh, proactive and actually the kids doing it.
Okay, and this is extremely long. I am going to read it. This last year I was supposed to speak, it got snowed out. I was going to talk about this whole thing. And Tate, I asked the girls because I said, okay, there's going to be some snow. We might have it, but I don't want you guys to risk driving in. So if there's anybody here at all, I'll just talk. And I want you to email me some things. So, because I was going to have them speak. So I was going to have my senior captain speak. I didn't want to do that this year with the limited amount of time. But this, this is what Tate wrote me to talk about last year. And I cannot say enough about hearing an 18-year-old senior who's been through a program, and obviously she's very, very, very talented, what she said. The leadership program has changed me by making me more aware of my teammates. When reading this book, it told us so many ways to communicate with our teammates and how to connect with everyone on the team from freshmen all the way to seniors. Made me feel a better leader because before I wouldn't really go out of my way for the other people on the team, but now I make sure my teammates are the first priority. I also have learned that as a leader, it is my job to make sure that everyone feels confident in who they are as a player. That's that confidence thing we talk about. The best thing it has done for the program is just making everyone confident in each other. There is no question with the amount of trust we all have for each other, and because of that, we have never been this close as a team until now. An example of a time when we used our leadership to help others is when we noticed a girl that had been struggling for past few days, and we could tell that she wasn't quite there mentally. So I asked her what was going on and if everything was okay and got things figured out. This just shows how much the leadership program has helped me because before I would have just ignored it and let someone else talk to her instead of stepping up and being that one there for her and start a little conversation with her. Guys, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what it's about for me. And that's, that's who I am as a person. I want to be a positive impact and help these kids say things and do things like that. And to see that makes me think, okay, she's obviously the greatest really well by her parents. But uh, if, if some of these little things we did in this book and some of these activities we did with leadership uh, help with that, man, I, I'm just ecstatic. So that's a little bit about what I do with the leadership. We're going to move on to coach on culture. If you have questions about that at the end, I will gladly answer them. I've had multiple uh, coaches contact me about just little things that we do, and I love to share it. So please let me know. But that's a little bit about what we do. Here's Coach Snodgrass, and he'll be sharing a little bit about uh, his uh, culture of our football program. Again, I didn't share at the beginning. I coach football with Coach here and uh, girls basketball. So uh, there we go. Here we go, Coach. Well, I, I feel kind of – It's on. It's weird. It I feel kind of bad because Coach Kern probably should have cut about 50 minutes to talk about that because I wanted to sit there and listen to him more. So we're kind of trying to – each squeeze a 50-minute presentation into 45 minutes. So I'm going to hustle as much as I can here once again, just like Coach Kerman. I'm going to talk about the culture part of it a little bit. Um, before I start, I just want to preface it real quick by saying, well, I've been asked probably, I don't know, thousands of times, what, did you, what have you guys done in the last six or seven years to kind of change things over, kind of get things rolling the way you've got it? And what I usually say is it very, not much. There's some definitely some small things um, that needed to be tweaked. But the coaches that were here before, I have three of those guys on our staff now and one that was a player. And some of the best coaches I know um, and some of my best friends. So there wasn't a whole lot. There were some small things to change. Um, but I think most of it, 90% of the changes that we made were in our culture. So what did I do specifically this year? What can you do to win a state title? Well, you take a 310-pound kid who's going to play for the Huskers and you put him here. And another 310-pound kid 
Then you put Simon Odie back there, and you put a 220-pound kid over there who's the fastest on the team, and then just don't screw it up. Just stay back and just don't blow it. So that's what we did this year, and it worked really well. Um, but, you know, I've been going to clinics for a long time. When I was young, my biggest thing that I wanted to get out of the clinic is tell me this, show me this play, show me a technique, show me, you know, what, what do I, how, how can I make my punt team better? Um, I don't want to hear about this philosophy or all this other uh, fluffy stuff that isn't going to matter to me. All right, now as I'm getting older and grayer in the beard and all that stuff, I'm realizing that the culture is far more important than any strategy or any uh, scheme or technique that you can do because the culture is the thing that doesn't change from year to year. One thing that we've always tried to do is be consistent, show consistency from one year to the next. Well, what's that thing? Uh, what's going to help? What's going to allow you to do that? It's those pillars and the, the bedrock that you base everything you do in your program with. We're going to have different players every year. If I was a college coach, I could go recruit the guys that I need. I'm not. Our plays are going to change. Our personnel is going to change. But the bedrock of what we do, our pillars in our program, are not going to change. I remember growing up in a, a very, very strong culture of, of toughness, of accountability and loyalty in North Loop Scotia High School. I had no idea what culture was, but I did know there was a certain way of acting and doing things and thinking and a certain effort level that was always expected and would always happen year in and year out. Um, and then when I went to college on the teams that I played on, I got a lot of those same, uh, same feelings in the basketball team. We were very successful. And there was a certain expectation every year that never changed, even though our schemes and our techniques did. All right. And then I got to play for a great football coach at Concordia, Courtney Meyer, who's always going to be a great mentor to me. And he taught me a lot about the relationship part of it and how relationship building and character building um, was as or more important than any of that other stuff. So I picked up a lot of great things along the way. Well, the first stop that I was at at Overton, um, again, I didn't know uh, I didn't know what culture was, all right. Uh, but I did know that we did have a specific way of doing things. We had there was a certain standard, um, certain expectations that I wanted to try and replicate here at York. And when I when we got here, I told the coaches that the number one thing we had to do was change their way of thinking. We had to teach them that they needed to believe. All right, they needed to believe because. Uh, there wasn't a lot of belief. I remember talking about first game of the year against Holdridge down there, and we got scored a touchdown right before half, and uh, we're, we're within 10 points. And I go in the locker room, and I said, guys, all right, we're going we're to play great. We're going to come back. We're going to win this game. And they kind of looked at me like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if that's – they didn't believe, all right? And all year long, that was our big thing. If you don't believe, you shouldn't be on the team. If you don't believe, if you're not going to come along with us for the ride – uh, you're going to have problems. So belief was a big thing. If, you don't, if they don't believe that they can go out and compete, I remember the first big game that we almost won was against Adam Central. We hammered and hammered and hammered on them. you got to believe we can play with Adam Central. you got to believe. Well, we didn't win that game, but it was very close. This year, belief was a huge thing for us in the playoffs. Elkhorn South is the big, they're the giant, they're the, the bullies on the block. And we talk belief a lot. Even though our program is in a very, very good place, we're one of only two teams to be rated for six consecutive years now. But yet, there was that Elkhorn South roadblock that had always been there. 
And, and it was all about believing that you can get it done. We don't have to do anything spectacular. We don't have to play like Superman. Uh, but you do have to believe you can get it done. You have to expect to be successful out there and believe. So I put this picture up here because I, I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit. Like I said, I'm trying to go fast here. But I, that's from my previous school. And that picture kind of was something that I always wanted to try and it, to me, it kind of symbolized what we were then. That was a state championship in my previous school. Effort, toughness, physicality, teamwork, sportsmanship, um, all those things uh, that I wanted to have. Physicality, um, never quit, and playing incredibly hard. That's, that's a big one in our program. You don't have to do. You don't have to play like Superman, but you do have to play as hard as you can possibly play. And to me, that picture kind of summed all that up. You can't see it, but there's eight guys in on that tackle, which it was eight-man football, so all eight were in on that tackle, and that's something we say: eleven men to the ball, the bad attitude. Back then, it was eight, and I always loved that, and I always wanted to see if there was if uh, we could duplicate um, something like that here at York. And so I wanted to. We wanted to try and. Uh, uh, replicate that culture. Oop, wrong way. Um, and so when we first got here, you know, culture isn't something that can wait. Culture is something that has to be started right out of, right off the bat. Let me back up a second here. The definition of culture, um, the sum of attitudes, customs, and beliefs. And there's that belief thing up there that distinguishes one group from another. So the attitudes, the customs, and the beliefs which is something I'm going to try and come back to here in a minute. Um, but there's no time to waste, and that's something that we tried to get on immediately were the beliefs, the way of thinking, the way of doing things, all right? Uh, the vision, all right? I, I remember talking about the trains always go, up, go by our practice field, and it drives us nuts, all right? They're by constantly. Coach Kern hates it. Whenever he starts talking, there's a train every time. But I told the guys in that first year, I said, guys, one of these days, we're going to play, be playing in a huge state semifinal game in front of 6,000 or 5,000 people down at McCook or something, and you're going to have to deal with, with, these, uh, with noise. And so we deal with it now, and then we'll be ready in the future. Well, they all looked at me like I, had, you know, like I was insane. Yes, guys, that's the vision. That's where we're going to be. you got to believe that. If you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. Okay? And uh, so we got to work on that right away. Vision and belief. Um, and consistency is a huge thing with, with culture. Specific and consistent. All right? One of the things with our culture, um, just defensively, all right? Well, offensively or defensively. Play as hard as you can. Every single rep in practice, we need 11 guys to the football. As hard as you can go. And if you're not consistent with that, or, you know, leadership, all right? Not, not, not messing around and uh, um, doing things you shouldn't do in practice. Consistently, every single day. You start to let that slip and you're not consistent with it and we're not hammering them every single day of 11 men to the ball with a bad attitude. It's not going to happen. You have to be incredibly consistent um, with, those, with those things. Um, internal motivation is another big thing with us, with part, being part of our culture. Um, you getting to a point to where you're going to motivate yourself and the teammates are going to motivate the teammates and it doesn't always have to come to the, uh, from the coaches. I've actually tried over the years to eliminate a lot of our external rewards like t-shirts for showing up for weight room and stuff like that because I don't want them to come to the weight room because they're getting a t-shirt. I want them to be internally motivated to come to the weight room because that's where they need to be. All right, so that's another part of, of our culture and what we're trying to build is uh, internal motivation. 
high expectations, I've always found that if you if you hold or if you set high expectations for kids or people or whoever, um, they generally tend to rise up and meet those expectations. If they if my expectations are here, they might not get all the way there, but they'll usually get there. You know, if my expectations are here, they might reach it, but it's still lower than what it would have been when my expectations are here. So that was right out of the gate when we were trying to establish that culture. Our expectation is we're going to be playing in the state semifinals. I didn't even say finals, but we've been there twice. Um, but that was our high expectation, and the kids generally tend to rise up and meet those high expectations. I'm already running low on time. Um, so the, the kids tend to reach those. So some other expectations and part of the culture is the weight room. How are we going to lift? The practice field, uh, the team camp, how are we going to play, how are we going to act, school, how are we going to act, how are we going to lead, we talk to them all the time about being leaders in our school, alright, like it or not, I'm sorry this might not be politically correct, but it's what I found, the, the football players that walk around that school, especially on successful teams, generally tend to be leaders, whether they like it or not. And by leader, I just mean influencing the uh, influencing others, in, influencing the actions of others. So, how are you going to be a leader in the school? You're a leader in the school, one way or the other. Are you going to lead them the wrong way? Or how are you going to influence the rest of the kids in that school? You're going to sit in the front of the classroom and refer to your teacher as Mrs. or Mister or Miss. Or are you going to be one of those guys that sits in the back of the room and looks at your phone and just says, "Hey, Kern," instead of "Hey, Coach Kern" or "Mr. Kern." All right. Uh, those are things that we talk about um, a lot. How are you going to act in school? Um, sometimes, you know, early on, we there was a couple kids that got cut loose right away. And it, it was necessary, and it wasn't somewhere we just kicked them off for no reason. They earned uh, getting kicked off of that team. But it, it helped set our culture. You know, what you want to do is take those kids that aren't sticking with your culture and raise them up. But sometimes, you know, we cutting loose a couple kids in year one probably was one of the best things we did. But we had to do it because, you know, according to our rules, they broke some rules and they had to be kicked off. Another thing about our culture, immediately saw we saw some players who were perfect for our culture. Jonah Odie is a kid that us coaches will always remember, and his brother Simon's the same way. But right off the bat, I remember the very first day of pads, Jonah Odie came out, and I told him we were only going 50%. He came out and absolutely demolished our starting quarterback. And I went nuts, and they thought I was going to scream him, but I gave him a huge hug and told him, all right, you know, he was the perfect fit for our culture. He had all those things that we wanted, the physicality, the character, the leadership. And those were the guys that we, that we uh, identified immediately that were going to drive our culture and keep us going in the direction that we want to go. Um, in year two, we got some pushback because midway, early in year two, we weren't we weren't um, we weren't playing as well as we wanted to be playing. All right, and we still held them to those high expectations. We still held them, you know, to to the the, the tough physical practices and the hard weight room sessions and all those things. Um, and we weren't yet showing the success on the field, even though wins and losses is something we never talk about. Um, so we got some pushback in year two. And early on, we had a bad loss to Seward. These kids were starting to doubt just a little bit, you know. But what us coaches did, we stuck to the consistent expectations of our culture. We stuck to all those things that we wanted to see out of our kids. Um, high character, high uh, performance academically, leadership, all those things. And we did not budge one inch. 
All right, and, and I'm really proud of our coaches for doing that because eventually, you know, the, the success started to come a little bit more consistently. Um, I'll just shoot through this really quick because I'm about out of time. But this is just another thing I put in there with some of the very difficult things that we do as part of our culture and what we do, our summer speed training. Our, ladder, our summer speed training is very, very difficult. But it's part of our culture. And the kids that make it through that, um, we know those are kids we can count on. We know those are kids that are fully bought into our culture. There are some kids that can't make it through it. We're not going to kick them off the team. But they might not be quite as bought in with that shared sacrifice. Um, but those things, all those things, snakes on Mondays and um, the, the conditioning we do, 6 a.m. lifting, shared sacrifice cements the bond as part of our culture. Our weight room is a huge part of our culture and what we did. And I feel like those kids that make it through all the stuff we do, all the snakes and all the, the snake is a conditioning drill that the kids hate. Um, but I think those things, when you do those, that's even more important than the benefits they get as far as, you know, their, their speed, their endurance, and all that stuff. I think the shared bond, the shared the bond that they get from the shared sacrifice, those bonds get tighter, and it's even harder for those kids to give up on the team when we do get into a tough situation in a game. So um, those things that we do, those incredibly difficult parts of our program, um, help cement those bonds and let us know that, that we can count on um, and definitely makes our culture stronger. Um, building culture is very important and difficult, but equally important and difficult is protecting the culture that is already in place. You cannot become complacent and let your culture erode. It will, it, <clears throat> it will not erode if you base all your decisions on common pillars. At the beginning of the season this year, we noticed that, uh, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, um, we noticed that there was a few things eroding after about two or three weeks. We weren't being consistent enough. We've been doing the same thing for seven years, but yet we kind of let them slide a little bit in 11 to the ball really hard every day in practice because we had some awesome kids who worked super hard, but we kind of let things erode a little bit, slightly. But we caught it, and we got it fixed immediately. It was a little bit of a shock to them when we fixed it, but it took us about a week, and it was fixed, and it changed our team. So right now we're at the point where our culture is very well set. Our culture is where we want it to be. Yes, it can always get better, but the thing i got to be careful of, and we all as coaches have to be careful of, is not letting it erode, not letting it slip, because it's very easy to do that. Once you get where you want to get, oh, we just want to stay tight. Let's back off a little bit on these guys. Or let's, let's not be quite as uh, um, tough on them or whatever. Um, so right now we're in the, the thought process of not letting that effort change, not letting that culture erode, and stick with it, sticking with it, and even building the culture up so it's even better. Um, this picture on the right, you probably can't see it, but I'm just going to read through it really quick. It's uh, it's part of our uh, part of our character development stuff that we do. We have this posted in the weight room and in the locker room. And this talk isn't on character development, but it's something that we take very seriously and we do a lot of. Um, but it says, Uncommon Man, York Football. Um, I can always be here saying yes sir, yes ma'am, no sir, no ma'am to my parents, teachers, and coaches. I can be heard saying please if asking for, every, uh, for something and thank you afterwards. Um, if I politely interrupt, I'll say pardon me. I will always be respectful for women. I will always be on time, at least five minutes early. I will never be heard whining, complaining, or making excuses. 
Uh, when something needs to be done, I'll be the first to step up, help, and get it done. I'll be a positive leader and set the standard for how to work and act in our school and community. And I always work as hard as I can. And I'm an uncommon man. I am a York football player. That's a big part of our culture, doing things the right way with character, integrity, and being a leader. And that's something that you can ask any of our coaches or players. And you have anybody, I challenge you to take any random kid off of our team, any of them. And you ask them any of those questions, they could answer it almost word for word. You ask them what leadership is. You ask them, uh, and I would hope they're going to say yes, sir, yes, ma'am, when they answer you. Uh, but th these are some things that we don't just say, and I don't just talk about at a clinic. We do, and we consistently do. And the week going into the state finals last year was a huge week for us, obviously. And I intentionally um, made this our theme for that week to let them know we're about to play for a state championship, but this stuff is much more important than any of that. Because 30 years from now, whether or not you can run and block, I don't care, but whether or not you work as hard as you can or treat women correctly um, or things like that, that's important, all right? And you're starting to see some cool pictures like that, that where we like you know, teamwork, um, family, loyalty, things like that. Um, I am out of time, so these are just, these are our three pillars that we talk about in order of importance. Number one, being a great person, and we do all kinds of things with that, because uh, if you're not a great person and you're in trouble, you can't play football anyway. Number two, being a great student. Um, if you don't have the grades, you're going to be ineligible, you can't play anyway. All right. Lastly, being a great football player, and they know that being a great football player is the least important thing that we teach. They, they work hard at it, and we got some darn good football players, I'll tell you that right now, and some tough suckers. But they know it's by far the least important thing uh, that they will learn in our program. And one thing I always tell them is, if 30 years from now, the hardest you've ever worked and the most you've ever put into anything is football, you're going to have problems, all right? So if you work as hard as you did for this football team at your job, at being a husband, at being a dad, you're going to be very, very successful, all right? Um, almost done. Now we come to this. Um, you remember the picture that I said earlier from my previous school that I always wanted to replicate? The second one is from a couple years ago when we were in the finals. I looked really hard for one that we just played and I couldn't find one exactly like that. But I loved it when I put those two pictures beside each other because it kind of represented to me that our culture has kind of got where we wanted it. Alright, now we have to build it and continue to not allow it to erode. And to me, I, I don't know, I, just me personally, they look very similar, and it represents the fact that we've got uh, done a lot of things that we want to do. Obviously, we're not happy yet. We still want to improve to get better. Um, so uh, program goals are always changing, but the culture, if it's a strong one, should never change. Um, in 2014, the year after this picture was taken, our theme was here to stay. We wanted consistency. Um, we are now only one of two teams that have been rated for the last six years straight consistent. Um, and you can see the pictures are very, very similar. So um, once you lay the foundation, that the team that you build on top of it can take many forms. But the key is the foundation. You get the foundation where it needs to be on those pillars, uh, the culture, then there's all kinds of teams that can build up on top of it. But if the culture and the pillars stay the same, 
regardless of whether you win or lose, you're going to be doing the right thing. Um, you're going to have consistency, and you're always going to be putting out great young men or women. Um, and you need to be happy with that, whether it's a win or a loss. We never talk about wins and losses, ever, to our kids. I take that back. We did the day before the state title game. And I told them, all right, guys, we need to win this one. All right? <laughs> Other than that, we never talk about wins and losses. We talk about doing the best, uh, working as hard as you possibly can, doing it the right way to reach your potential. Um, I, I, I'll end with this really quick. This is part of the reason we work, and this picture probably means a whole lot to a lot of you New York folks that are here. Um, but why do we work as hard as we do? What is the reason that all of you coaches spend, and teachers, sorry, teachers, coaches, everybody, spend Sundays watching film all day and stay up all night doing stats and all those things? Because it's really, really important to the kids. Coach Kern and I go on an NFL trip every year with five of our high school buddies. We spend the entire time talking about high school football. We are old, fat men, and that still means a lot to us nowadays. Um, Brett Olmstead played football for us. Uh, he was an all-district great player. He had an accident. He was in the military. He had an accident. He broke his back. Uh, he's paralyzed from the neck down. He can kind of he has some movement in his extremities a little bit now, but he's never going to be the same. And Coach Kern and I went to visit him, and we were we visited him now three or four or five times. But the first time we went, we were very nervous. We <laughs> we just didn't know how it was going to go. So, yeah, this might be awkward. I can't say anything to make him feel better. He's going through the most difficult thing that anybody could imagine going through. And we just thought it was going to be very awkward and difficult. But when Coach Kern and I went there, his brother was there, and there was a few other guys there. And we spent two hours, and he laughed and joked and smiled and had the time of his life for two and a half, maybe three hours. The entire time we talked about high school football. We talked about stories. It was important to him. And if I'm slacking, if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, if I'm, I'm just going to watch football today, I'm not going to watch video, or I'm not going to work on the, the character lesson for the week, if I'm slacking on that stuff, I ain't cheating those kids. And that really, uh, we just went and visited about a week or two ago, that really cemented to me the importance of what we do and uh, how much it means to other people. And I'm sure all of you guys can remember things that your coach did, uh, maybe good, maybe bad, I don't know, but you remember it, it made a big impact on so the things we do are very, very important and make so much of a difference beyond whether or not you win that game. Um, that's the least important. And that's all I got. These are the two books. Uh, I read a lot of books. I just put these up there, too, the last two I read. Both very, very good books. The one on the left, uh, I'm a football coach. <laughs> this volleyball coach, uh, it's one of the top five coaching books I've ever read. Coaching, leadership, motivation type things. If you're bored, read that John Cook book, Dream Like a Champion. It's only like 250 pages or something. Very, very good book. So I'm going to let, I know we're, what do we have, five minutes left? You want to come up, Coach Kern? Well, we're just going to ask some questions. But these questions that we hear often, and a lot of time a question we might get and I want to just reemphasize what Coach said about consistency. Because something I take a lot of pride in as a coach is when the girls tell me, they say, we feel like you treat everyone equally. Because it wasn't like that when I first started. And I, got a, I, got a, I had a lot of girls call me out saying, you know, you're treating this person differently. Or, you know, you're, you're giving more attention to the star. 
Well, with, with Coach Snodgrass, you can hear that from the guys all the time. And I feel I feel like that's a strength that you want to have. So when you talk about when you're building the program, when you're looking at consistency, and Coach, I remember him, remember we, we suspended a starter for the Norse game a couple of years ago uh, at center because he missed the practice. Well, he could have let that slide. If you do that, you're, you're losing that culture right there. And the thing is, he'll do the exact same thing for a guy who doesn't even play. So these kids that don't play and maybe aren't as important to the team per se are, know that they're going to get treated fairly from the coach and they're going to get treated equally from the coach. And that's a huge attribute, I think, of winning cultures and winning programs. I got my first job. What would be some keys to getting started the right way? I know Coach talked a lot of, about a lot of things, and I emphasize these. So I would say, if I had to answer a question like that, I would say you need to really get into your youth programs and develop the culture that you want in that regard. What are the expectations for youth coaches? What are the expectations for the kids younger than high school? Because your juniors and seniors are going to be gone. They really, these human things that you just started, aren't going to affect the future generations of your program. Obviously, you want to have a positive impact in their lives, but. That's something that I think about. Kurt, anything else on that? Just starting over and other than we talk about. Well, just work hard and remember what I said earlier. The biggest mistake I made was thinking, well, schemes and techniques are important, not as important as the other stuff. Getting the culture that you want set, and your culture might look different than mine. That's an important thing as a first-year, early, young coach. And just realizing if you're going to be successful, you got to work really, really hard. Um, just a couple things to add on Coach we often hear, how do you get your kids to play so hard? We take a lot of pride in that. Our, and I think with basketball as well, I, we talk about it all the time. One thing I'm big on is whatever you say, you consistently say. You'll hear, and if you come to one of my practices, you'll hear me say, we are going to be the best conditioned team in the state. We're the best conditioned team in the state. So we talk about that all the time. I, I figure if I say that all the time, it might mean something over for after a while. We, so we talk about that. We talk in the locker room, these people haven't seen you play yet. So the people from Norris tomorrow and I are going Norris, haven't seen you play. Your job is to make them think you're the hardest playing team in the state. So those are some things that we talk about playing so hard. And the football, and he talked about it with defense. If you do not run to the ball, and it's, I don't, if you're a football coach, guys, this is, this is huge. If you do not run to the ball, you're in the backside corner, and you're not spreading to the ball, you get ripped. I mean, you get ripped. So if your expectation is to be a hardworking group, uh, team, you better chew on it. And, and like Coach said, it did slide a little bit this last year uh, until we, we had to give them a little wake-up call, which was, which was fun, too. Yeah, parent issues. Uh, so how do you handle I hear that one a lot, and of course we do. Of course we do. Even with success. Sometimes more times with success. One thing for me personally, I kind of like that challenge. You, know, it's, you have to have that makeup. I want, I, I'm preparing for that adversity in advance because I know I'm going to hear something. So for me, I like to um, think about how I'm going to prepare for that and actually enjoy the opportunity to help these parents have a positive relationship with their son and daughter. So I know that's kind of weird and it's hard to describe, but for me, I think about those things way ahead of time as much as I can, and I try to be as proactive as possible uh, building relationships. And one thing I think Coach does real well too, and I try to do it with basketball, is we're as proactive as possible with our social media. Uh, we try to promote our programs and what we do, letting people know so parents aren't surprised. I think if you don't surprise the kids, don't surprise the parents, it helps make it easier. Um, I, I'll try to have conversations with the girls. On a, every day I'm going to make you five or six, just random conversations, see how things are going. If you can be proactive as a coach, you're going to establish that culture, um, that communication level, which might limit parent issues. Really, also on that time. 
Well, and every, everybody's different. Some coaches like to have a lot of rules. Some don't. They just have large, vague rules. I'm one of those guys that I have a lot of black and white rules. I like to have as little gray area as possible. Some of you parents have been to my, my uh, coach's uh, parents meeting for the years and heard it over and over and over and over again. But I have black and white rules. They know that if you miss practice, you're not playing. And there's no there's no question about it. That's the rule. Sorry. And so I, I try and have every single situation or scenario handled by something in my rule book that the parents know, they've signed off on. And there's always a new gray area. But I try and limit that as much as possible. Some coaches don't like that. There's some very successful big-time coaches who don't like that. It's worked really well for me. It's been very, very rare that a coach comes in and catches, or a parent comes in and catches me with something. Um, and yeah, I'll make mistakes, but as long as we're all sticking with those rules, we, we haven't had many issues. Yeah, that's a consistency. Uh, last one I wrote down, I'm an older coach I felt was in touch with this generation. Well, I'm, I'm an older coach and I feel that same way, actually. I had this conversation with uh, a colleague the other day about, I just don't quite relate with these guys as much as I used to, you know, what What are some things you're doing? Or, so we talk about a lot. Again, I'm big on communication, guys, and just being vulnerable. I know that the girls that I coach, and for a guy to coach girls, and then you gotta stay up to date with that for sure. And uh, we have a unbelievable trust. And the way we create that trust is just being vulnerable and having these big talks. One thing I'll recommend for anyone is having any kind of retreat. Coach didn't talk about the football one, and he will in a second, I bet. Uh, but the basketball retreats that we do are, are top-notch. It's one of the most powerful things that I've, uh, I've ever been a part of, actually. I'm, I'm hearing things that are shared with me that I don't want to hear as a coach uh, that scare me, but they need to share them. So we go on retreats every year somewhere in the region. We might It, it can be as simple as just you know, going to someone's house or whatever, I suppose. But we travel, we, we stay up late, and we talk about everything. I have written questions that we're going to answer and we're going to talk about. And these things go till 2, 3 in the morning, and we hammer it out talk about what we're about and who we are and the girls share things like I said and they know that if it's dangerous and it has been in the past I have to share with administrators but um, they need that these kids more than ever need to talk and share about things so if you're an older coach your wisdom alone should be great for you to have for these kids they want to hear stories share stories with them about you and the adversities that you've had in your life because that's what these kids need and they want to hear and it allows them to build that relationship with you yeah, we, we have, a, we call it our Unity Barbecue. I might change it up a little bit, but I listened to Coach Branson earlier. He has some amazing things. You guys are all interested in talking, asking him about that from late teams. He has some great things. Um, but we, we use our football camp, and then we have our Unity Barbecue, which we have a whole agenda of things we do. We feed them. This year we go to some things in the swimming pool. We don't travel other than football camp, just because I have 75 guys and I can't take them all out of state. Um, but Coach Kern, right? You get them to open up about things and make them feel a little bit vulnerable. It also helps cement that bond. Uh, when they talk about things they're not comfortable with with their friends around them, and they know it's a safe place to do that, um, it's another thing that's been fantastic. Our Unity Barbecue, I'd love to talk about that with anybody if you're interested, but that's been an awesome, awesome thing. And we, we want our coaches also to stand up and be vulnerable with the kids. Um, we have a coach's hot seat, which allow the kids to ask within reason pretty much any question they want of the coaches. Um, and so the Unity Barbecue has been real important for us. But, um, and, and as far as that question goes, I'm an older coach and I feel like I'm losing touch. Um, that that John, book, uh, John Cook book that I put up there, he 
he has a whole chapter on something like that where maybe you're getting a little burned out or maybe uh, you know the losses are really bothering you too much. That book is phenomenal. I would really encourage you to read that, especially if you're feeling some of those things that, man, I've just been doing it a long time and uh, it, it's getting difficult. That's a really good one to read because he has a lot of very good points on it. No. Any questions? Any questions? Thanks, guys.